Welcome to the James Exchange, Friday Forward, July 9th, 2021. I am Nancy Gill, the host of the James Exchange. From the Chamber's Scottsville Happenings, on Saturday, July 10th, around dusk, there will be a free movie showing outside Victory Hall. Bring a chair and enjoy a carry-out picnic from one of our local restaurants. The movie is family-friendly, but I don't know which one is showing. Outdoor Dance Fusion Fitness is every Wednesday at the Farmer's Market Pavilion at 6.30 p.m. The cost is $15. Kids are welcome. For more details, contact Miranda Watson at MirandaJW at gmail.com. That is Miranda, M-I-R-A-N-D-A-J-W at gmail.com. In today's episode, I met with Roger Nelson and Brian Caulfield. Both are instrumental in the James River Bateau Festival and the Virginia Canals and Navigation Society. Brian is the current president. We decided that one of our local businesses would be a great place to sit down and have a conversation. So there is a bit of background noise caused by people enjoying themselves. And this episode is longer than I usually present, but there's so much information to glean. Both Roger and Brian were extremely energetic in correcting my misinformation on the history of the bateaus that built our town. The Monday Matters, the next episode of the James Exchange, comes out on Monday. There will be a listing of public meetings and a report on Scottsville's Town Council's June 21st public meeting. Enjoy the weekend, come watch a movie, visit the farmer's market, and shop locally. Enjoy. I am sitting at one of my favorite places in Scottsville. Um, no one wins a prize if they get the location correct. But I'm here with Roger Nelson and Brian Cofield. And we're going to talk about all things James River and bateaus and maybe a non-returnable boat. Not to be confused with bottles that some of us returned in our youth for yes. penny candy. So, hi Roger. Hey. Hey Brian. Hey Nancy. So, Roger, tell us a little bit about you and your involvement with the um, Bateau Festival and anything else Bateau-esque. I'll go back to the very beginning when it started. My older brother and younger brother helped crew a boat and it was a race. They did not have very much fun. They said they would never do it again. It didn't appeal to me because there were a lot of people out there. I like a crowd of about three. But I took a job in Nelson County and I had my canoe on top of my truck all the time. This fellow that I would do some work for one day asked me if I would help him run his bateau. And I asked him oh, what he needed. He said oh, a couple days, you know, his crew was getting kind of older. And I thought, well, let me know when the time draws near. And the time drew near, he told me he could really use me all week. Well, I got on that boat and I was almost immediately hooked just for running the boat. I mean, he 
put me on rear sweep right away. It wasn't rocket science to me. It was real easy to run the boat. And I just fell in love with it. So that was, I think, 2000 or 2001. So I've been very involved with it ever since then. We ran with Charlie five or six years, maybe a little longer. Then my younger brother talked me into helping build a boat. So we built a boat, Rosalie, and we've run it for the past uh, 11 years in the festival. It's been great. So you mentioned um, you ran the rear sweep. Is there also a front sweep? Yes. A bateau is pretty much like a hook and ladder fire truck. A sweep is a long paddle-like appendage on the front and the rear of the boat. And the guy in the front, well, it's sort of his job to find a way through the rocks. Look for the hole. Send the boat down river. The guy on the back, it may not seem like it's an important job, but it's his job to make sure that the rest of the boat makes it through the hole in the rocks. You can't get them a little sideways and hung up and end up in a disastrous situation. But, so, but one, one end of the boat is just as important as the other. So, Brian, you're over here sort of like going from smiles to a horrified look. So, what was your role on a bathtub? I started out in a kayak and met people and just got on boats. All of a sudden, somebody had a a bateau for sale, they were tired of working on it, and I decided I knew enough from being on other people's boats that I would just buy a boat and do it myself. And that's probably not recommended. Um, I didn't actually hurt anybody. Well, he did recover well, but you know. Um, okay, we're all doing better now, let's just leave it at that. Well, you also are the president of the Canal and Navigation Society. Yes. And are they, the main office is in Lynchburg? Madison Heights, Virginia. Madison Heights. Yes. So can you speak to how that project's coming along? I guess it was almost six years ago now we purchased that property. Actually, Dr. Trout, the founder of the organization, was tired of how slowly things were moving along and he funded that, he donated the money and then funded building a barn next to it. I kind of see my goal as trying to make things happen that Bill wants to happen, fulfilling his dreams because most of them are worthwhile, they're not too crazy. He has come up with a few things but all in all, we ignore the ones that are too crazy but all in all, it's pretty straightforward. Um, we're a Virginia Canals and Navigation Society, and our job is to educate and preserve and protect our treasures alongside the river. So, one of our biggest accomplishments, you know, recent accomplishments, was getting a barn built next to our headquarters and moving our artifacts from a place called Kitty Wan, below Richmond on the James up to our barn and categorizing them and putting numbers on the boxes and making lists and just made it look beautiful. And if, if you guys look real close into your computer, you'll see the pictures. I'm holding up pictures on my phone right now. Oh, it doesn't work that way? Okay. Maybe not I'm, yet. Maybe I'm not too good on technology here, but I did just get off the bad Festival. So, I always thought that the, the bateaus only went 
downriver from the Shenandoah Valley through Scottsville to Richmond. And I think I have been misinformed on all of this, but tell me how misinformed I am. Who wants to go first? Nancy, you're extremely misinformed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want actual detail. Yes. <laughs> there were flat, you know, flat boats that were basically like an upside-down shoebox lid. And they made them in a fashion where they were able to preserve most of the wood. There wasn't rounded ribs and it wasn't pointy on the ends. So those boats would usually, they're non-returnable boats and they'd make a one-way trip and then be taken apart and they'd be sold as lumber themselves. We only know about that in Richmond because one was found and it looks exactly like the ones that are well documented on the Shenandoah River. And we've even found advertisements in the paper for gundalo wood for sale. It is cheaper if you buy gundalo wood. That's why you can look in houses in Harpers Ferry and even farther downstream that like uh, collar ties in the rafters and certain things that you never see are made out of parts from the non-returnable boats or gundalos. So Bill has taken the call the gundalo that was found in Richmond as a James River gundalo, even though we don't really have any documentation of what they called it, we now know those boats were used. And it is on display in our Madison Heights facility also. So perhaps um, Scottsville needs to have one of these non-returnable gondola boats at Canal Basin Square? Would seem like a logical thing with all the boats that already is, you know, are located down there in the South Loop Drive. That's just another part of the lost history and things we're finding. It wasn't that many years ago, 40 years ago, that all we knew of bateaus was pictures. And, of course, that's come to light, and we found actual examples of that. And it's all a mystery. That's what makes it fun, trying to put all this history back together. So, Roger, before I started recording this, you likened some fellows to vultures sitting on a fence line down in <laughs> Richmond as they were doing a major excavation. Would you um, expound on this? Well, this was during what they called the Great Dig, and they were building the James River Center. And these guys were hanging out just watching the excavation. And every day they were asking workers if they'd found any evidence of any old wooden boats. And finally, they're just hanging out on the fence. And every day they're asking them. Finally, one day the guy said, yeah, I think I felt something like that. Well, the next day they definitely found it. So the, the project continued, but the developer allowed them access to that portion of the project so that archaeological teams could come in and document these boats while the development company moved off to another part of the project. I think they gave them three weeks to do all, to do all their snuffling around down in the mud and 50 feet of silt. So they had to dig through. They were actually digging down, excavating, and they 50 feet of silt down, they found yes. these yes. boats that were bateaus. Mostly bateaux. The, the, the turning basin, what, what they did, these bateaux would come down the James River from the far reaches. I mean, way up Buchanan, way up river, bringing raw goods, mined goods, agricultural goods, 
they'd get them all the way down to about Richmond and then look and lose a considerable amount of them in the last seven miles. This area, it's a fall line, it's just a rock pile. So they built the canal around the fall line, the rocks, that went right on into what was then downtown Richmond in a turning basin. So these boats came on in and warehouses were situated around the basin. The basin was actually constructed in an area that was a, a rather deep ravine. That's why there's 50 feet of mud in there. This turning basin just filled with silt probably was eventually filled as part of construction projects. So all these these boats were found during the construction, the excavation for James River Plaza. One real interesting boat that they found, it appeared to be evident that the gentlemen were cooking their dinner on the boat and going to have dinner and everything was set out, but it, they may have gotten in their cups, could have gone to a tavern, but the fire burned a hole in the boat and the boat went down with everything laid out like they were going to eat dinner. I guess they didn't have dinner that evening. They may have had dinner at the tavern. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, um, at the, I, I don't know, Museum Society for the Virginia Canal and Navigation Society, do you have documentation of what Roger's just been talking about for people to come and view? We have the physical parts of lots of bateaus. The wood is a little harder project and it's still being preserved in a chemical bath and we'll eventually be able to take it out. But we have hundreds if not thousands of iron parts and wood parts and just amazing things. Some stuff that makes it obvious that it was used as a dump and people did just throw things in there, broken pottery and shoes. Dr. Trout, he's got an interesting sense of humor and he seems to think that there's a whole nother study there on women's shoes by all the shoes that were thrown in there. So it's pretty interesting the things you find. Just a few months ago we went through all that stuff and I had seen a few examples of the forks that hold the sweeps in place to the boat and we all build replica ones for our bateaus. And then you start looking through these, and I saw probably 30 of them in a matter of a couple weeks. And they were such different examples. And I had a blacksmith make me some out of what I conceived they would look like and one that I had seen and fancy it up a little bit and put your own twist on it, and he did. And then looking through these um, artifacts that we preserved, there's a sweep fork that looks exactly like mine that I didn't see before mine was made. So I thought that was pretty darn neat. Yeah, that, that's really, really, really nice. Our tools are you we use caulking irons and mallets. We there's parts of all those. So as you're building a bateau, my understanding is you use like cotton batting to fill the cracks. In shipbuilding, you did use cotton batting, but what we use is a little more crude. Originally, it would have been a natural fiber like hemp fiber, and it would have been treated with linseed oil. I'm really hoping to get over all of my misinformation, but my understanding is once you build a bateau, you then fill the cracks with, with hemp, 
and then you have to sink it. Why, why do you do that? The wood swells when it gets wet and holds the oakum, you know, the untwisted hemp fiber tree to linseed oil, holds it in place. The wood swells up and makes the joint tighter. So, Roger, can you tell me why white oak is the preferred material? It's tough. You can take a beating. It's like Roger. Yeah, it's tough. You can take a beating. People have experimented with other things. They've never seen a lot of success. That's what the original boats were made of. We kind of stick to that. So I want to go back to one of the first um, bateau festivals. What year was that? Good question. 85. If this was the 36th, yeah. Okay, well, we'll figure, we'll figure out the math later. But there was we an, should know stuff like that. Yeah, but there was an individual very much involved in the beginnings of the Bateau Festival, and his name was... Brian Caulfield. No, Joe <laughs> Ayers. Very instrumental. He kind of was disappointed with the way the festival went. He wanted everybody to be 100% period accurate. And if you weren't, you got a demerit. And once your team got 10 demerits, they tried to throw you out of the festival. I tell you, you can't run in the festival. People go, what do you mean I can't run in the festival? And it was just ugly. And he had good intentions. Um, it turned into a race, and I don't think he was real big on the race thing. He just wanted a historic reenactment. So Joe Ayers was convinced and Joe I think Ayers he proved was convinced that these boats went back up the James. He's he's kind of a historian. He's a real Renaissance man. And one year the festival was taking place and Joe Ayers didn't participate and the people left Lynchburg and they got halfway to Richmond and they met Joe Ayers and his sons somewhere around Howardsville and they were pulling a James River tobacco boat up the river. Okay, so how did they accomplish this? Well, you've got walk boards down in the boat, and the men, they work as a team. They've got their poles, and they're pulling that boat, and it's not a haphazard thing. It's maybe two or three guys on each side of the boat, and they walk to the front of the boat, set their poles, and they holler, go, and they push that pole and walk to the back of the boat, and that boat goes right on upriver with the greatest of ease. With the greatest of ease, but I think they also had some help in some tricky areas. Yes, you can come out, go out on the James. I can take you to a location at um, Primo Bluff and to one at the confluence of the Tye and the James River where you can see the iron pins driven into the rock with a big old iron ring on them. And there they tied these, I'm, I'm kind of convinced that they tied a rope around that and pulled those boats up through fairly significant rapids. So what was, I know Scottsville was basically built because of the canal. I mean, that is why people came here. They built these houses that you see. Scottsville was very affluent because of the canal, canal and the James River. The canal was at a later date than the bateau. The bateau was a riverboat, and managing the river as a navigable body was tough because every storm changed everything. They were constantly working on it. So the canal was started in Richmond around the pony pasture 
and then just the second phase of it was built, I guess, right there at Amherst and Rockbridge counties, where the Blue Ridge cuts through, where the James River cuts through the Blue Ridge. And so that was the, I believe, Brian, you correct me now, I believe that was the second phase of a canal being constructed on the James River. And this was before the James River Canal, canal construction began. Is he right, Brian? Yeah, he's pretty much right. Um, the thing is that a bateau is a boat that travels in the river proper and you don't need locks and canals for it. Well, they built locks and canals for it. And then the canal boat, um, it has a five foot, well, at least a four foot draft. And the bateau only has a foot draft. So the canal boat needs your conventional canal up on the hillside and lift locks and all that. But yet there's a thing called slack water navigation where they built dams and a canal boat could actually operate in the river because they made the water high enough. So just to confuse things, a boat that was mostly in the river, they did build locks and canals for it. And then a boat that was meant to only be in locks and canals was actually in the river sometimes. Just to confuse things a lot. So in Canal Basin, there are three boats. There is the um, packet boat, which was strictly, I think, a canal boat. Yeah. And basically because of its length. And width and draft and, and how much it would carry. Sure. Sure. But it was also more of a passenger boat as opposed to just moving good, strictly goods. I think they did move goods on it. Packet boats weren't as big as the freight boats. They didn't fill the locks. Freight boats were as big as you could possibly build them, just inches on either side. But packet boats were smaller, and packet boats were pulled by horses, because people like horses, and then the um, canal boats were more likely pulled by mules. So there's also a freight boat at, um, it's, it's not as long as I think they were, but so that was actually pulled by mules, and that was strictly a canal boat? Yes, but where there's slack water navigation and they built dams, they would actually end up in the river where that was made deep enough. Okay. And the towpath for the boats ran pretty much the railroad tracks out here, the CSX railroad tracks, were the old towpath for the horses or mules that pulled the packet boats and the freight boats. I saw an advertisement for a packet boat and they were bragging about their modern facilities and they actually had a bathroom, a toilet, inside the boat and the bath facilities were equipped with a toothbrush for the passengers. One toothbrush for everyone? No, a <laughs> toothbrush for the passengers. Yeah, one for everyone. Okay. Not a toothbrush for everyone, one toothbrush for everyone. Right, that's what I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, is there anything else you'd like to add? I, I know yeah. that as we continue our conversations throughout the next year or two, we'll come up with even more stuff. So, is there anything, Roger, you yeah. would like to Let's add? Let's get this thing, we'll make sure we have it clear. The bateau era preceded the canal, and these boats were pretty much strictly river boats. 
but once the canal was being constructed, some of them did up and end up in the canals for short stretches. But they built a navigation system. That's where we get our name, Virginia Canals and Navigations Society, River Navigations. So they built they built structures in the river to assist the navigation. And one of the best examples of a river sluice is just upriver at Rock Island below Warren and there's a ledge all the way across the river so the water's kind of getting backed up a little bit and it's getting pushed over to the Buckingham side of the river and they went in the river and stacked up stones and made a channel where most of the water's being pushed into this. And this is one of, one of the best ones preserved still in the James you can see it every day of the week there's a there are a couple of pretty good examples up around um, Howardsville as well, just up river from Howardsville. Brian, would you like to add anything? Yeah, and what Roger's talking about is actually in the James River Bateau Festival Atlas, and that's available at www.vacanals.org for a low price. Heck, we're almost giving them away. All the information in there, you'll be shocked how inexpensive they are. And I've had, just for an example, I was talking to a guy and was trying to sell him that book and he says, I fish that area uh, from Howardsville to Scottsville all the time and I know all about it. And I said, oh, so you've seen the aqueducts and culverts and seen the sluices and the improvements for navigations for bateaus and the canal system and all the different ruins of these things that you travel as you travel down there. It's just incredible. And he says, there was never a canal there. This is a guy that claims he spent his whole life fishing that area of the river. Unless you know what you're looking for, you'll miss it. And it has also been explained to me that there are that there's a neat bridge built by the railroad over the Hardware River that was not built by the railroad people. That's an aqueduct. So people would argue with me because I told them that, you know, basically where the railroad track is in Scottsville was a towpath. And then on the other side, not the river side, was the canal. And that ditch, as you go out of Scottsville on Route 6, is actually the only remnant left of the canal in Scottsville. Yes. Am I right? Yes. You can see it up and down the James. Howardsville, it's right on the side of the road. Well, Dr. Trout, he's not too concerned about trespassing and stuff like that. So one day we were taking that route out of Scottsville and about to head up the hill and we pulled off the side of the road and he said this is a culvert where and so we got down and looked and he said look up there and there was light shining through. So what happened was the railroad they didn't really want a canal they didn't need that. They needed the towpath next to it. So mosquitoes, malaria, and other bad things, they broke holes in a lot of the culverts so the water would drain out into the creeks and streams and wouldn't hold it. And some of them have been made bigger now by poured concrete and modern things. And you'll paddle up to them and go, well, Brian's wrong, this is a modern structure. Well, Brian's sort of right. Keep on going, paddle up underneath there, and you'll find hand-cut stones and beautiful things and possibly have to go to the other end to find it. So thank you, Roger and Brian, for joining me here. You're welcome.
Enjoy. Good. Thank you so much, guys. You're welcome. Thank you.